Wolf and Billy. All right, man. Welcome to Pro Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 367. Jason Lingren is with me and a gentleman named Muhammad. You may recall Muhammad joined us on a very interesting episode, 344. You can go back and listen to 344 if you choose. I originally put out requests. I was interested in people who grew up speaking some of the old world languages to include what we call Arabic and Muhammad fits the bill. Muhammad, like myself, well, kind of like myself, he was brought up in Islam and the Quran. I was brought up in the West in Christianity as a Lutheran, which interestingly enough, the one thing that my parents gave me up for adoption could state was that I was to be brought up Lutheran. Not kidding. Um, even after they gave me away, they could, they put that tag on me. They had that power, but both of us over the course of our lives walked away from organized religion. For me, it was about realizing if I have free will and a divine spark, why do I need some dude in black telling me what to believe in? Um, but anyhow, this should be very interesting. Some of the topics we will have to push into hour two for obvious reasons. When we get there, we're going to define some terms probably so that we can talk about them. And I hope diapers don't creep into the comments section because I have no time to be the comments police. And that's been getting to be kind of a deal lately. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Oh, and a cool but pleasant morning it is. Yeah, we got weather here. Um, we're firmly, well, I guess we're, we're, we're recording this the day before uh, Halloween, actually. So today is the 30th of October. Uh, anyhow, welcome, Muhammad. Oh, thank you so much. And it is 30th of October. I just celebrated my birthday a couple of days ago. So I love this month and the spookiness about it. <laughs> well, happy birthday, I've got to say. I, I I don't know if you've listened to the old stuff. I don't even track birthdays anymore. I've taken apart birthday cakes and everything else. And as in all things in our world, up is down, down is up. But uh, when I was young, I had fun at Halloween. In the United States, it has become a gruesome festival of gore. Uh, it has progressively become more blood blood soaked and with you know severed limbs on the arms while the kids come up to get candy. Um, so like all the holidays at this point, uh, I do what I think is best. It just goes to show the trajectory of kind of gruesome darkness that we've been headed down for a long time. Although I will say we're kind of in an awakening here, and so many people have been jolted into reality. And I think we have a real chance, those of us who make it through to the other side, and there will be another side, to have maybe a better world than we had when we went into this. We just got to put up with a lot of nonsense to get there. Anyhow, Muhammad, one of the main tenets of why I enjoyed talking to you the first time, what we're going to do here is you live in the Middle East, and it is hard for anyone in our part of the world to know much about the Middle East because the news sits there and plays it turns it into a soccer ball, turns it into a chess game uh, with vitriol and hate and bigotry and everything they can do to divide and conquer. So these are important episodes for me because we get to talk to you and you can tell us the impressions your part of the world is having about everything. But let's jump in on the current affairs and how the Muslim community currently sees the world over where you live. Well, uh, thank you so much. Just to remind the listeners, I'm from Morocco. Uh, it's in uh, North Africa, a uh, neighbor in Spain. So uh, I lived there the majority of my life uh, between there and England and ultimately ended up in America, which uh, I've been in this great country. I've been in Texas for 23 years now. Uh, so I know, you know, all these three countries very well. Uh, I'm, I'm really double pleased to be back on a show that I totally adore and uh, learn a lot from. Um, 
So since we spoke last time, a lot has happened that can only be described as the end of America and humanity as we knew it. Uh, of course, uh, we tackled on the previous show how this great empire was on its last leg and the collapse was engineered and by sophisticated evil. Uh, the ignominious defeat of Afghanistan in Afghanistan and the continuation or the, 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 all the starvation of humanity, the enslavement, the brave new order that is forming in front of our own eyes. Uh, and the, the last chestnut moves that are happening in the Middle East are significant things that lead us to uh, what we've discussed. Uh, the new world order is forming. So uh, the world is certainly going through a lot of uh, planned steps the controllers have set up. Uh, the way the people in the Middle East see this, um, so basically those be, be the, the parameters of black magic. What America did in Afghanistan was a declaration of its demise to the, Amer to the, to the, the entire world. Uh, everything is calculated. So Afghanistan is a very significant country uh, in the events that have taken place over the 40, last 41 years. Um, once Russia was defeated in that country and finally collapsed, uh, 10 years later, 9-11 took place. So you see the numerology that is taking place by these controllers. Uh, the controllers want to subconsciously inform the world that America is about to become the new Soviet Union. And this is how I talk a lot of Sufis back in Morocco, and this is how they interpret the events that have taken place and that were all witnessed. Um, as I stated on a previous chat, in regards to Frog and American, this is the denouement of, of a plan that was created long ago, uh, a plan that had uh, to be punctilious and executed to the letter to be successful. So the steps uh, were so obvious and hidden in plain sight. Uh, and this is what the Arab world talks about, knows, because they suffered the most from the consequences of 9-11 and the uh, you know, the, 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 the collapse of Iraq and the, the, this is coming to the subconsciousness. People are aware. So the, the Arab world knows it's no longer in, in, a, in a sleep mode. Uh, they know what's taking place. Just to kind of talk about the current press, what's taking uh, place. Uh, what do you guys think about this uh, section of events, uh, you know, like events that have taken place for the last few months since we spoke? Well, for me, and Jason can attest to this, I do not watch news. Um, what happens is when something that's important in the minds of many um, happens, I hear it secondhand through Jason or from someone else, or I get an email. Uh, I refuse to participate in the news, but um, how is the so-called Islam, have they changed anything? Are they trying to pull together? Is there any difference in what we have typically seen where the West comes into a part of the world and they divide it? And I'm appreciating that you mentioned Afghanistan because that is a big deal. By the way, I don't know if you caught the episode with Athen Kamente bef well before the pullout of Afghanistan. Athen picked a month and said uh, it is quite possible that uprisings will happen and that was exactly when they pulled out of Afghanistan. And then, of course, the news said, I can't believe the whole country was taken over in 24 hours. <laughs> There's an uprising. Um, these things that you're, you're saying have to be to the letter. Uh, for me, part of the letter is the sky clock. And Athen had nailed a couple of things. But uh, I don't think most people drew the line to how important Afghanistan actually was to the subconscious of the world. Well, uh, you know, the America is declaring that it's no longer the empire. I mean, this is what's actually taking place. It was too obvious. I mean, watching, especially us, me, the, the older generation that remembers the pride and walking into Iraq and how America was there to defend itself. And, you know, you're with us or against us, all that uh, Americanism, that pride that we had, all of the sudden, they just come and take it away. And this uh, president we have running the show right here in America decides to really humiliate the Americans. I mean, to me, 
I consider myself as an American. I see that as, okay, we're done. You no longer matter. We're no longer a superpower. We're going to become like the rest of the world, mediocre. And, and this is how I see it personally. Well, it's a, it's a bit laughable, though, if you logically take that apart. So did our military fall apart? Did we lose all the things that made us mighty? That's, you know, when you logically go at this, this is how you know it's engineered. But for my part, uh, we have had a string of so-called leaders that have been here to humiliate us. And anyone who wants to be real about it and quit latching on to the red-blue mind warp, um, go back to the 40s and the 50s and go look at video clips of, of YouTube, how people used to conduct themselves, not what they're saying, not whether you agree with them, simply look at how they are conducting themselves. Now roll it up to where, you know, 24-7 news, which we showed how 24-7 news got here. Truth down the well. It was another version of what we're about to discuss in the, you know, the discombobulation of America. Basically, what's happened is we've started to act like children at the highest levels. We fight, we point, we call names, we say rude things, we have no respect for anyone. And this is all part of the engineering. But at the end of the day, Mohammed, I got to ask, so why are we no longer a world power? Did all our jets and planes and fake nuclear weapons dissolve somehow? What changed? <laughs> My personal belief, and you put your finger on very vital points, is what has been taking place. And I've... I, just like you, I watch videos from the 20s, if I can find them, from the 30s, analyze the body language of people, see how they act. And it's, you know, it was the Second World War, First World War, it was all military. People were obedient. But yeah, they had that little freedom because they, they had, didn't have the technology, this phone that you glue to, that reads your thoughts, that actually guides you through life. So, you know, they've been, they have been changing us slowly, like I refer to as the frogging. It's, it's been a worldwide frogging. But the difference that I've noticed is uh, back in the 90s, I used to travel between Morocco, go to Europe. Uh, you know, there still was different there were countries, there were continents, there were things that had a different ideology. All of a the sudden, the European Union took shape and then no longer it, it became the same ideology. So there was the signs that the world is becoming one power, one new world order. And I remember this from the early 80s, the concept of new world order. People but before me spoke about it. People had ideas about some informing. So how long has this been taking place and what is making it speed up right now? And who is helping? Who are they? We always keep referring to them as they. Are our leaders empty vessels being controlled by the archons? This is a question I always pose to myself. What well, archons or jinn for people that kind of, you know, don't want to distinguish, but an outside force. Uh, is this a cycle that repeats itself and we're just in the middle of or at the end of it? So a lot of questions that I pose to myself. But like you said, you look at the sky. And you see the numerology. So is this kind of the end of this cycle and we're entering the new word? Are there going to be two different words? Who's calling the shots? Of course, America has to be humiliated for everything to be the same. But when I came in the late uh, 90s or 97, America was very powerful. Was, but we didn't have a war and nobody came from another uh, out of space and took the weapons, as you said. So why this is taking place now? Has it always been being planned or did something... did? Did we open a portal somehow in Switzerland? I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening. You know, the Arab world always believes in the end of time. And every religion talks about eschatology. So the Arabs now, and to continue on giving you my opinion about how they regard this word, is they think that we are at the end of times. All they're waiting for is the Imam Mahdi. 
So, you know, everybody's having their own thinking. And it's- is that the savior, the Imam Mahdi? Is that the idea of the, the Messiah? Is that the kind yeah, of thing? Exactly. And it okay. is more of, um, Imam Mahdi comes right after the Sufiani. This is the, the Shia, because most Islam is uh, split in many uh, sects. So the Shia believe in the Imam, who is the last Imam of all of them, will come at the ends of times, when there's so much hatred on earth, there's so much chaos, and that refers to kind of fitna. Uh, that's what we live in here today. And the Sufiani is the uh, provoker, is the person who creates all this fitna. So you got Imam Mahdi to come and save the day. And this is how the Imam Mahdi is regarded. So people now in, uh, in Islam or the Arab world, they're just praying and waiting for God while the controllers are nicely, nicely putting the jab in all of them. Well, I think you brought up one very key issue for me because I've been looking at this idea. Has this happened before? Matter of fact, as the more I looked at it, I began to ask, does this happen every time we come through an age? And then I started to ask, every time we see the idea of end of days, we know how the media is pushing it. Well, there's going to be nothing. You know, this is all ending. So don't even bother to try to do any, you know, it doesn't matter. This is all about to go away. Uh, I began to realize that it was possible that these words were saying it's the end of an era. And it, the more I dug into it, I can't prove it. And everybody knows, you know, you can have a pretty good idea, but how do you demonstrate it without having an actual history that's bona fide in some way? And that's clearly been hidden from us by the Vatican, if anyone's interested. Um, but I think what we're seeing is the end of the age. Uh, maybe what's wrapped up in the idea of killing the bull. We came out of the idea of Taurus. That bull was so wrapped up in so many things, even to this day in Mexico and Spain and other places I'm aware of, they're still killing the bull. Um, these ideas. But when I looked back at what appears to be the cause of why are they killing the bull, it was the ending of the age of Taurus, or at least seemingly as far as I can get down the road, that's what it appears to be. So I am with you all the way that I think it is quite likely every time 2,160 years-ish goes by, um, we see the whole deck gets thrown on the table, shuffled around, and literally a new era is going to begin. Uh, indeed. And, you know, I'm, I'm Christian. I feel the past. I feel the present. I know I've lived in the past, but I also feel like I've, uh, there's an amnesia that takes place. So to me, this is a game we play in of chasing, like the, the dog chasing after its own tail. We probably decided, all of us, to play this massive game, but to hide all the secrets. But we come here for abuse. So why? Why do we do this? I don't know if you're familiar with an experiment that's called Experiment 25. You know, I read it in your notes and it rang a bell and I was going to look it up, but I got busy doing things here as we were leading up to report on a weekend. So why don't you define what Experiment 25 is? Well, basically, uh, I think in the 60s, uh, uh, one of the scientists decided to create a utopia for uh, mice, uh, everything they wanted, the good atmosphere, good weather, food always available, uh, available sex. And, you know, for a little while it worked and they were happy. They were just, you know, he saw a pleasant environment. All of a the sudden, they started creating their own problems. They started fighting each other. They, they started they creating chaos out of nowhere. Uh, and he made them think, well, is it, are humans the same way? Are we always, when we reach a certain level of, of goodness, we want to create chaos for ourselves? And this kind of runs with the, with, the, with the cycle. Because right before this 9-11 and everything hit the fan, life was okay. You know, you could still be free to a certain extent in the 80s and 90s. You could still be human and be with your family. But all of a sudden, it's sped up. So are we doing this to ourselves as a collective? 
Is there an outside force that is, uh, you know, there's there's a Chinese uh, scientist. I can't remember his name, but uh, uh, he had, he owned, I think he put forward the theory that the this the spherical sky, where he said that the universe is an egg. Uh, the earth is the it's yolk and uh, the dome in the sky and the blue sky is the white. Uh, this confirms that perhaps we're hermetically sealed and there are many existences and this is just our lifetime, our timeline that we going through all of us collectively and our collapse will be collective or finding ourselves in the new world will be collective. So this is definitely uh, times that we witness and I'm glad I'm witnessing it as painful as it is because some people will just hear about it. Or, you know, be told about it. I'm actually glad, Muhammad, that you brought up the ideas and the hermetically sealed. This is why I find so much value in the so-called seven hermetic principles, because it explains, you know, that why isn't everything good all the time or why isn't everything bad all the time? If you go through those principles and relate it to the things that we latch on to, like I'd like every day to be sunny and beautiful. It talks about cycles and rhythms and all these things, you know, people breathe in. Then they breathe out. Well, which one of those things is where I'm happy? You know, the the tide is high, the tide is low, but it really doesn't matter because if you could say when the tide is high, I'm happy, it doesn't matter because guess what? Pretty soon it's going to be a mid tide and then a low tide again. Everything is in a cycle that ebbs and flows. All right. uh, Just so everyone listening knows, we had a little break in the recording right there. We're picking back up. We had just addressed some ideas and I'll say one more time, this is why the so-called seven hermetic principles, however they come to us, are are so critical. It's a bit like what I would consider a living document. One person will read it and take away something completely different than another. But at the end of the day, the principles relate to darn near anything you could try to compare it to. And Muhammad, that's why I think, you know, when you got into the idea of being hermetically sealed, uh, these ideas are so important and they're old ideas. Oh, indeed. I mean, and the world's been controlled by these people that pass on secrets from generation to generation. Uh, in Quran, the same thing as the hermetic seal, uh, principles. It's so vague and ambiguous in its language that I guarantee you 90% of Muslims do not understand what it means. So it has this uh, vague nature to it that you can interpret it according to this, what's happening here, what's happening there. It fits all the things. And when it comes to you've got no power left, you just pray to God. So, you know, uh, to tell you and then just to soak around Islam and what's happening in Kabul and why Islam is being used by the big, big daddy of them all, the Pope who calls the shot and leads this uh, Opposite to what is being portrayed, he he is the devil. If you want to know what the devil is, he runs this cult of a religion, and he tells them what to do. So, the Islam is quilted in in fanaticism, and it, because of that ambiguity, and it's been pushed through the leaders of Islam to alter the doctrine and and portray the Muslims as a kamikazes and wanting to do that because there are parts of the Quran that could be interpreted as that. So, uh, this book that is so revered and and so uh, magical. I find that the, the Quran has a lot to do with, with black magic. I mean, there's so many important things, uh, talking about Babel, talking about the, the, the two angels that came to teach magics. This book is full of uh, things that are so dark and manipulative, and, and it can be used by another person who understands the kamikaze nature of Islam. Uh, so, uh, and in the case, Islam, uh, Muslims uh, have this nature, and then the Westerners use them 
how, oh, look at what happened. They bombed here, they bombed there. Even in the 70s, it was all this Beirut, all the bearded geezer uh, on the plane and then doing this. And just be, after the Kabul collapsed, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of going back around so we, 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 we get out of the Kabul and Afghanistan, is a lot of people started circulating these videos about women being shot by a bearded man and them laughing. And first of all, there was fake videos. Uh, and, and they were not current ones. They were from Syria. They were from uh, Iraq. And they were years ago. And, and, and the language was not uh, Afghani. It was Arabic. So, you know, they love to, to take this nature and make it look, look at the horrible Muslim. Look at what he's doing to his wife. Yes, there are some horrible Muslims. And there are some good ones because of the ambiguity of that book and how it could be interpreted it can divide and conquer again. And whoever wrote these things, you know, knows the, the psychology of humanity. Well, this brings us to the idea of modern language too. Um, we've, we've covered a number of times how degraded the English language is. We usually use the example of gender being stripped out of it and what a critical idea um, that is within the scope of a language. And it makes you wonder if these are constructed languages, which we've made the argument that they are, uh, they're a bit fallen. Uh, does it, open the door to exactly what you're saying, ambiguity. One person can say, no, this means all these good things. And another person can come in and say, nope, this means all these bad things. And that's a problem because you would imagine that a language that was worth its salt, when you said a thing, it would mean what you meant it to say. And yet this ambiguity on everything that we currently deal with, uh, it can be pendulumed one way or the other. Indeed, I mean, back to Islam, the language is in, used in Quran is so antiquated and vague uh, that a lot of people just repeat it because they heard it from their dad and their granddad and nobody has a clue. So when there's a scenario or when there's a vision, it could be easily like the Nostradamus book. Oh, yeah, it could mean this. It could mean that. So, uh, you know, it could be interpreted because it's on the desires of whatever the king wants. Or, in fact, the majority of Muslims, like I said, do not understand most of this. And as we said, language is there to control people. Uh, and now, like here in America, for example, all these pronouns. And, you know, for example, you want to go pronouns, you know, in England, for governor, there's governess. For manager, there's manageress. If you really care about pronouns and males and females, do that instead of, you know, they just dividing and conquering. Now, this is what me and uh, Jason were talking about earlier, is this Hegelian dialectic of divide and conquer. Go to a place and just use the tribe to divide the place in, in itself, like they're doing right now in my own country. Uh, you know, they're dividing the, the North, the Reef against the, the Berber and the Muslims against the, the, you know, the Sunnah against the Shia. And even the king, and as I was telling <coughs> Jason earlier, he is not a real Muslim because Everybody in Morocco knows he is a homosexual. Uh, this is a known fact, you know, which is unallowed. And I have nothing against homosexuality by all means, but the Muslim, the leader of the faithful, you cannot be. So they accept it. They just get abused, allow it to fester in the mind and continue saying, long live the king. And this is human nature, as I told We've been knowing since, I mean, I, since I came to America, it was Clinton and Bush and then Obama. They're all the same thing. It's the same snake with a different head. So we know we're being abused. We know we're being abused to the max, but we just say, it's okay, let's keep going. Are we really by nature like to be abused? Do we have some sort of fetish as, a, as, a, as an uh, entities that we would just like to be abused? What do you think? 
Well, gender, as you pointed out, and I wasn't aware that if you were homosexual, that was against the rules or the, I guess I should say, the religious traditions of Islam. Um, but if you set aside whether the ruler's right or wrong, uh, we see this over and over. Like the Pope is another good example. I can make the exact same demonstration with the Pope that you just made with the King. Uh, the Pope is not allowed to be Jesuit. And yet here we are. So what we see is there used to be so-called laws and rules, and we all followed them to have an orderly society. And yet at the top, we see it doesn't even really matter what rules being broken. It's that the rule is being broken, that in the subconscious and everyone, pretty soon it's, you know, law of the jungle around here, which is basically if you go back to George Bush Sr. on 9-11 back in the 90s, uttering the words new world order for the first time, one of the things he says, I don't remember exactly how he says it, is we're not talking about the law of the jungle here. We're talking about, you know, a world run by laws. No, you're actually speaking backwards. You're speaking exactly about the law of the jungle. You're saying that the, you know, you're, you're trying to act like there's these rules that can all bind us for everyone's benefit. But when fact has happened is we've gone back to the Arthurian idea. Does might equal right? In this current era, might is all that matters. If you are a big enough corporation, if you own enough services to hell with the rules, to hell with the laws. And gender is playing so heavily. And I love that you pointed out the pronouns. One of the huge problems with English is there is no gender in the language. And all the old languages had gender built into them to convey more to the meaning. And one of the ways they did that in our country is they said, well, you can't call her an actress. That's an insult to her. And everyone bought it. It's like, how is it an insult to recognize someone's gender? And they started to make it female needed to become more like male. And all these gender manipulations, when at the end of the day, all you got to do is go to nature. Is gender in nature? Yes, it is. Will all these kinds of gender-related things happen? Yes, they will. Um, you know all you need to know now. Um, that's the real world where there is no lie telling you. Yes, there is gender. Yes, there is male. Yes, there is female. And there's all these variations that are going to happen. But what they tend to do is they pervert pieces of it and then they leverage it very deftly into culture um, to do exactly what you're pointing out to basically at, at the root of all of it, it's manipulating people's minds, I would estimate. Indeed. I mean, the manipulation of the mind has been going through ages, but now it's on a collective level. I mean, this is the next step. Uh, maybe it's the end of the cycle. Maybe we're going to enter the Orwellian reality that we've heard about. And, uh, you know, you see all this 5G's erecting everywhere. I mean, they're more than anything in the world. And it's even in the little villages in Morocco. Uh, talk about Bush. You know, during that speech that marked me a lot, he's, he said, and we will get there. Like, he's 100% confident that one way or another, we will get there when he mentions the new world order. Hook or crook. <laughs> he said, when we're successful, and we will be. Yes. And that was around 1990, 91. So he only had a short amount of time to go to see their plans really start to be laid down. And you see Kissinger now quivering with excitement, if you can even quiver at his age, because he's seen his reality, the thing he envisioned long time ago with his demons is becoming true. And uh, I saw, I was in Houston when George Bush was ta being taken on that motorway uh, on the Hardy tourway, and I was on the opposite side and the whole traffic stopped. And I stopped, I got out of the car, and I shouted as he passed me, cursing his soul. I felt so good about that. 
<laughs> and suddenly the spin of our imaginary planet tilted on its side. You know, it's funny when you think about these things, um, you know, single people blown up to such proportions. But, you know, that brings me back around to an idea I wanted to bring up when you were talking about the Pope. Do you guys ever wonder, you know, we know that the Vatican's pretty much at the top of the pyramid, give or take. Um, we're reasonably sure that it's the Jesuit order, particularly. We're reasonably sure that it's probably related to Bern, Switzerland and seed and all these other things that have come up during mostly legal presentations that people have uh, uncovered. Do you wonder if they're really not on the top and that someone's pulling their strings or something maybe would be a better way to ask that? You know, whoever is calling the shot transcends time and space. Uh, you know, it's it has to be, is it the devil? I don't know. Are there other entities? What's outside Earth? You know, William Shatner got out of the Earth and you look at his bloody face. He's like, he saw something. And he kind of said, well, I saw death. What well, was really out there? I mean, he went out 50, 60 kilometers up in the air. So <laughs> what do you guys think about that statement he made? I think that William Shatner is an actor and therefore every single thing we were shown is valueless. If you want to take the, the supposition that he actually did go up to 60 kilometers, now you can talk about these things agreeing that we'll talk in that way. But let's be real here. Um, the man is an actor. He's 90 years old. Uh, you know, I start thinking about myself. If I'm 90, am I going to go the speed of a bullet or whatever the supposed launch speed was? But here's the thing that got me. They were filming on there, and I actually took time after Captain Kirk went to fake space um, at 60 kilometers, or I, probably, I guess, they're using the Kármán line idea to try to illustrate space, although they regularly tell us the fake ISS is 250 miles up. Yeah. The point I would make is that could he travel the velocity, and if he did, and if he went to that high and we set aside that he's an actor, how is it that we can only go 60 kilometers up? And why did the film crew only, I think what I saw, the longest clip I saw from supposedly inside that capsule was 15, 20 seconds. Um, it all seems pretty contrived to me to the point where I'm calling it valueless from my point of view. And that's just me. You know, I agree with you. I have my moments where I want to be naive, but you know, I look at the sky, it immediately became dark. Where is this sun that is so magnificent and Milky Way and all of that and dominates space? So you know, all these things, I, you know, I, we say you flat earth and all of that people think you've done, but you've got to think a little bit. The moon, the sun, uh, you know, look at the moon. The other day I started watching it at night and in the morning it was still appearing, but it flipped. It was kind of like what was on top was on the other side. So there's a lot of things we don't know. Uh, you know, I do think this is like a massive hermetically sealed farm and this, we're an experiment in the middle. And of course, whatever they tell us, we have to, I can't get on a bloody rocket go up in the air, check it out for myself and come back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. No, you can't do that. So we're stuck. You fly on an airplane and you you can't see much. You can't tell what's going on. You know, so definitely I think the space and the star and all this nonsense and the moon, because he did actually emphasize, because he's an actor, as you said, it was dark. But I know they're very far out there, moons and then the planets and other things. So it's all a big lie we live in. But the thing is, so is this experiment. So what happened when we die? Uh, that's the big question. Uh, or do we just automatically, our soul goes into another imaginary reality? Is this all imaginary? That is the big question, by the way. If there was some semblance of acceptability across most cultures and societies about that very question, we would live in a very different world. And I'll point out a thing. Uh, the farm animals are only in the paddock as long as they think the fence works. 
And I would say the, the majority of the animals within fencing could easily take down the fencing. And that illustrates the mind game that's gone on here. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest tenets that has helped me when I started to go on the trajectory that I currently am on is back in the day, I began to realize the damage of news and acting and movies and media. And I went to do a simple thing, look up the roots of the word actor, which took me back to Greek. And from that moment forward, I had a tenant, which I could probably make Crow's Law. As a matter of fact, I know I could. Um, I just don't know how valuable it would be. And, you know, it'd be just to, to talk about it simply is if your resume says actor, you're an actor because the old definition of actor meant duplicitous untrustable. And back in the day, if you were an actor, you were marginalized from regular society for the simple reason no one knew for sure, are you being you or are you acting right now? It was against all the laws and rules for them to hold any important public position. And there's even claims that they couldn't be buried in Christian cemeteries, but that starts to digress for me. The main point is there was a time when no-nonsense logical mind said, I'm looking at a guy that makes believe for a living or a lady that makes believe for a living, how the hell could I possibly know if I'm talking to them or whether they're making believe right now? And the more Meryl Streep-like they are, the worse that problem becomes. And so I know you tried to go somewhere important with the Captain Kirk saga, but my problem is I have that tenant now and I'm not ever going to cast it away because so many people bring up Elon Musk or or you know all these things and i could point to where the truth was told in the simpsons or something else but what i tend to do is ask a simple question does it say actor on their resume and then i conclude then they are actors where do you go from there can you tell me if they were being themselves that day and honest or can you tell me if they were acting no you can't because you can't get in their mind so everything for me that follows becomes a supposition and futility of course. I mean, you're absolutely right. We live in a world that is completely controlled through acting, through the TV, yep. through media. I mean, my personal experience and somebody who English is not his first language, when I came to America, I had a little car. I was driving and I left the radio on, you know, just wanted to sort of see how it goes. I spoke English because I, I live, used to live in England. Uh, when I came to America, there was a lot of commercials. So I'll catch myself repeating 800 numbers. And this was, this was within the first month or commercial, or find myself at a store I heard about. So I was like, I realized, this is poison. This is directing my subconsciousness. This is going to my shadow and telling him what to do by really repetitive, simple mechanism. So, you know, America does it very simply, but it's effective. Uh, you know, it goes directly to your subconscious. And people here, and it is my observation as a foreigner who came and immigrated, wow, this is a country of obedient people. You tell them this is red, and they see it's green, and they're going to say, it is red. Because he told me he's got that hat. Wow, that was shocking to me. I came from a culture that was like, no, you tell me what I want. I'm going to search and I'm going to go. I'm going to touch it. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to make sure that it is what you're telling me. But now even my culture became like the American culture. So this is global, this brainwashing that is taking place today. And whatever we've been get, living through since the last 16 months, it is a complete black magic on earth. Let me make a point there. What you just said is so critically important because what I have come to accept is the most powerful, far-reaching lie will be accompanied by the truth. And since I just mentioned Stephen Hawking, I'll mention a thing from the Big Bang Theory way back in the day when it was the biggest show in the world or the biggest sitcom 
getting the most minds involved. Stephen Hawking showed up, I think, maybe a number of times. There's one particular episode where Sheldon, the slightly autistic, brilliant guy, is playing a word game with Stephen Hawking. It's just like Scrabble, I guess. If you go back to see what I'm pointing to, pay attention to the words that are played in the game. Stephen talking is introduced, then a word is introduced. If I remember correctly, and I'm searching way back, I think the fir- one of the first words is act, A-C-T. But if you pay attention to the word game, this is the insidious nature of what's gone on. The lie has been proffered. Here's the smartest man in the world. He's been stuck in a wheelchair longer than anyone by 40 years that has this disease we told you he had. And by the way, he's got a magical machine that knows what his brain wants to say and then says it for him. And he's going to play a word game. Watch what follows on. And by the way, I will further point out, I alluded to either Family Guy or Simpsons because I don't pay attention to these things where they made fun of everyone watching, telling the truth again while the lie was being proffered, where Stephen Hawking's in a wheelchair. And after the scene is getting near the end, he says, I'm sick of this. And he stands up and walks away from his wheelchair or something like that. But the episode where Sheldon plays a basically a Scrabble-like online game with Stephen Hawking, pay attention to the words that are proffered. And pay attention to the first letter. There's some cues in there um, initially. And so these are absolutely, from my point of view, the most damaging lies. A lie or an illusion is proffered, and then the truth is quickly buried in for the subconscious to pick up on. It's almost like your conscious mind is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your subconscious mind goes, well, there's the real truth. And then it goes back to sleep and your conscious mind keeps just running with the ball that's not worth running with. Anyhow, that was a lot of words. No, you're absolutely right. This is like a charlatan. I mean, if you want to trick somebody, and I see this in Morocco all the time, they call them people of Samawi. A person will come to you and then will be talking to you consciously and their hand is penetrating your pocket. They kind of got your subconscious into just diving into their realm. So it kind of, uh, you take somebody on a chanting journey. And then this is absolutely a controlled word. When I used to be a little kid, I, I was very alert. I used to think I used to hear my higher self and all of that. And I knew and I heard that, wow, this is a fake word, but everybody's playing, everybody's acting. And there's a time as a child where you make that decision to act. So you start becoming what parents describe you as, that you know, take on attributes that you see in this person. So you are becoming an actor. You take that decision, but you forget, and life goes on, and all of a sudden you're in this nightmare called Earth. So we're all here chasing after our own tail, after our own shadow. We will never I mean, I always have a glimpse at my shadow, but he's so elusive. But let's let's do another thing just to get back to some of the staples that keep me sane in this world. I always cleave tightly to words have meaning. So while we were sitting here, just to further make my point, since I was bagging on Hawking, uh, what is Stephen meaning? The top search return, and I haven't even put effort into this. I haven't done the etymology. Uh, It commonly means wreath or crown. That's the bold return that Google is giving me, Stephen, wreath or crown. Well, what does hawking mean? Well, hawking is attempt to sell something. So here's the wreath or the crown attempting to sell me something. Um, These things are in our face. And you see, it also illustrates another problem with why this is so powerful, because we're so freaking lazy uh, or trust. We're so willing to offer trust to everything. We can't even bother to know what Stephen or Hawking means. We're too tied up in the skit that's been proffered, the lie. Um, And this is the age where this is all coming undone. From my point of view, 
so much of what's going on is because people weren't taking the bait anymore and it was getting to be a lot more. And so what did they do? They accelerated that. There are so many minds out there that probably would have slumbered for another couple decades or who knows, but what's happened has forced them, jolted them into reality. Well, why would the powers that be do that? Well, it's just like the lie. You tell, you proffer the lie, you follow the lie immediately with the truth, and then you carry the lie along. And it does a few things. It warps the human mind. It screws with our consciousness and subconsciousness. But more than anything, I suspect it releases them from the idea of karmic retribution. It's almost like they could say, well, we were just kidding. You see, there's the truth right there. Same sentence kind of idea. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the hidden plain, in plain sight concept. Right. You know, it's, it, they tell you what they're going to do. And, you know, it's, it's like in, in, in so many religious books, they even tell you that the next steps, and now they're telling you the next steps. They were talking about uh, scarcity long before it, it became a reality. They'll talk about virus before they became a virus. So they, they prepare you, they tell you, hey, okay, here's what we're going to do to you. Uh, we told you so that, you know, the gods up in the air can't punish us. And you, and you're dumb enough to, to accept this reality. So, you know, it's, it's our fault. We're lazy. But to me, it's the chicken and the egg situation. Are we lazy or they made us lazy? Because what I've been observing, they're making life easier for us. You want to type something? Oh, prediction. You don't have to. You don't know how I need to spell. So that goes away. You don't know how to spell anymore. Oh, you don't need to walk. We take you anyway. So you don't use that muscle. They're making us lazy and we're falling for it. You know, it's an effort. It's a, in, in Islam, they say jihad. Jihad is a daily fight. And this, to me, this is becoming a jihad to become, uh, to stay focused. It's every day you have to fight everything that is coming to you from all sides. And I want to go back to the 5G because I am baffled of how many towers, things erecting all over the world, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody cares to know. I mean, all of a sudden, we're supposed to accept, oh, this is to make internet faster. And all of the, coincidentally, we're forcing the jabs on everybody. I mean, nobody's wondering, okay, this could be the new, Boom into your brain. You no longer have a uh, you know control over your body or your mind. We can do whatever. Nobody's talking about this. Everybody's like, oh my god, the law. I might lose my job. I might lose my livelihood. I might not sleep comfortable tonight. What you are doing this to yourself and karmically, you'll be paying for this in this life and the next because you're in it for us, the people that have guts that have a care for the freedom of the soul. Perfect. Perfect. Let me make the point again, and I'll show you exactly how those wizards of Hollywood addressed exactly what we're talking about. Captain America Civil War, whoever the heck the, the agent lady Captain America is in love with has a niece that ends up being a love interest. And at the funeral of the primary lady that Captain America loved, uh, the niece gets up at the funeral to speak, and she basically tells you, my aunt taught me that if the whole world is to telling you to do the wrong thing and telling you it's right, plant yourself like a damn oak tree and tell them, no, I know that is wrong. Do not deviate. Do not back off. I can go to the end of Harry Potter, the very last, some of the last words uttered in one of those that I reviewed part of recently. Dumbledore says, very soon you will be faced with a huge problem. You can either do what's right or what's easy. And there it is again, exactly what Muhammad is pointing out within the same breath of the uttered conscious lie is the truth, the reality. And it's done in such a, you know, underhanded kind of in passing way that your conscious mind just lets it slide on by. But in fact, 
And the two examples I just gave was the most important words you should have heard in the whole damn movie. Um, and there it is again, a very ingenious system that is dealing primarily with how our minds work and how we take things on board and what we do after the fact. Crazy to think about. Well, it insults your intelligence directly and people like us that have pride in what we've formulated through the years and how we stayed conscious in this very confusing word. I don't want to be insulted. I mean, I, this is for me, it's life or death. You know, you, you don't want me to travel. I'm not going to travel. I'm not going to participate in this game. It's my choice. Life is getting more difficult. You're making it more difficult for me, but there's always a payback, a karmic payback one way or another. So I'm in a winning side right now. Yes, you're abusing me. You, My country now is forcing people to jab. You can't do anything. A country that is third world, that doesn't even have enough hospitals, that majority of people are uneducated. All of a the sudden, they're forcing people to jab because the king said so. You know, the king bought a lot of bloody vaccines and he needs to, you know, get the business going. So this is all clear and people know this, but they say, well, I've got a family to feed. I've got a quiesce. Well, instead of living and eating steaks, you can eat something less, you can live, you can. And if enough of us do that, we can create another reality and combat them. But when you just collapse, you got to blame yourself. You got nobody else to blame. Uh, yes, the word is hard, but don't go having five kids. You know, you've got a plan. You can't just be absolutely acting like a, an animal and expect these people to look after you. These are our enemies. These are not the, your granddad and your protector. These are people that detest you. You do not want what's best for you. They run a business called Earth. And there's a lot of customers because idiots are giving birth every day to a maximum number and they've got business coming. So if you can go and piss off, they don't care for you. They've got plenty coming in. So people have to understand that. They don't want what's best for us. This is a business. The foundational idea that you're expressing, I boiled down for myself simply with this question from my own mind. Does doing right matter? Does doing what is right matter? For me, it's the only thing that matters. There's the foundational bedstone of every other decision I try to make. Uh, if it doesn't matter, then it doesn't matter whether I do anything. Take the jab, live, die, whatever. But if it does matter, then that means in acting in that way, a new reality will literally, tangibly open up because right does matter. It's almost like asking the same question, does life matter? How did life get here? Is it just some chance like we're told or is there really value to life? Is, is it doing something? And again, I come back to yes, but I wanted to get this into hour one in your notes. Um, you talk about the fake Arab Spring. And I remember vividly, uh, this was right around the time that I was about to totally walk away from news wholesale. Uh, and who, who, who can forget the images? And where it all fell apart for me was when they're showing everyone in Tahrir Square. I hope I got that word right. Uh, congregating where all these other past historical events had apparently drawn crowds. Here comes the dude in on his Arabian horse. What do you have a sword or a whip or something? It just went Indiana Jones in a second and stereotypical of how the West had been taught to view. And right there, that's where it all fell apart for me. But I've never talked to someone raised in Islam, uh, anything about the Arab Spring. Oh, the Arab Spring is a whole thing I definitely would like to talk about. I mean, the Arab Spring, when it started, and of course it started in Tunisia, uh, when uh, a fruit merchant burnt himself, and we don't know that that took place or not. Uh, you know, you started seeing all of the sudden this uh, marches and people c c collectively going and against the system, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, my God, it, you know, yeah, this Arab's been abused all their lives, but what's all of a sudden wake up? 
So I went to Morocco and it was around 2010, around 2011. And a movement was created there called the 20th of February. And they were kind of menacing to the king and saying things that we've never heard before. And when I was there, I saw Al Jazeera paying people, because I know people baddies in Morocco. They're like, yeah, they're paying 100 uh, dirhams to anybody who wants to just gather there and pretend that there's a march and they just need about 50 people. I said, what do you mean? They said, yeah, they're doing that in different corners of the city and uh, even the authorities are okay with it. I'm like, really? Okay. So apparently what happened to spare the, the, the homosexual king, they had to reach a deal with him. So the deal was, okay, let's do this. Let's pretend this. You'll stay in power. We'll bring this fake new government that is kind of Islamist to, to quiet the people down and come back to the Islam and sentimentality. Oh, we, now we've got the first Islamic prime minister. He's got a beard. He's nice. So they played on that again. They used the Islam card. But the deal with Morocco and the king and why they spared him because he could have been gone. People don't like him is the fact that he is very important and pivotal for whoever's controlling the world. I mean, Morocco is geographically in, in a great position where, you know, you can go to Africa, you can attack Europe. So this monarchy we've had, it's been serving the big dog, the new world order for a long time. They're not even Muslim. They just came, they put them there, they use the religion because they know the Arabs, you know, like their God, they're like their prophet. And he said, oh, I'm a descendant of the prophet Muhammad. I've got no evidence, but yeah. That's the king. The king claims to be a descendant. And by the way, Humphrey Bogart proved that Casablanca or Morocco matters, but is the king claiming that he's a descendant? Of course, yes. The descendant from the, they show some sort of tree, fictitious tree that somebody designed for them that leads all the way to the prophet. I had heard that the Queen of England has a thing that I've seen rarely, and I, I, I want to look at it at some point, that claims descent from both Muhammad and Jesus. I heard that, and the Arabs have such pride in saying and showing you, but I think that's made up. You know, even Muhammad exists. I mean, all these things that you read about, and it's just, what's, what's the real truth? You know, now, yeah, if in 200 years, if somebody shows me some sort of video, Maybe, but even then it could be fake. I mean, 9-11, <laughs> it was it CGI, so did it take place? You know, even in our lifetime, we don't know what happened 20 years ago. What, what, what's the real truth, Muhammad? It's that thing over in the corner that's not being protected. That's how you can re recognize it. No, absolutely. You know, and then, of course, they had to blame the Arab word because, like I said earlier, they know the fanaticism of Islam. Oh, yeah, let's go low, let's be suicidal, let's do be kamikaze. And this doctrine itself is these kings and this, they come up with a new fatwa and then they come up with a new idea. And then all of a sudden it's the new law because he's connected to the prophet. Therefore, he can do no wrong. You know, and then in fact, using language in the in the um, Morocco, they say Allah al Watan al Malik, which means God, uh, the the country and the king. So he's always connected with God. Like you know, you think of God connected automatically. You think of the king. Uh, it, it's very unfortunate, and most people have been brainwashed. It's the Stockholm syndrome. It's this, you know, uh, whatever he says, whatever he decides, it's coming from God. So no questioning. Even though now they're so upset, they won't go directly to him. They say, oh, it's the prime minister, not realizing is the head of the animal that's making the decision. Does the House of Saud, do, do all the rulers of that region have to have that claim somehow to yeah. Muhammad? Like the House of Saud, is that the same thing? Yes, exactly the same thing. And the, the Hashimites, the Jordanian king, who they were playing, trying to scare a couple of months ago by uh, doing a fake coup. Hmm. Well, of course, the House of Saud has extra power because they have the religious, the main geographic things is under their purview. 
Exactly. And then they've got that massive rock and they, you know, they've got that black cube. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, and most Muslims, you know, they just revere that place because of religion. So it's the easiest card. You create this religion is you can't touch it. You can't see it, but it's there because there is a shadow and you can't touch the shadow. So they just connect that and then make that magic word work for them. And, you know, we see it. We can't alter minds. Yeah. People claim there's a massive waking up. Is there? What you said earlier, you put your finger on a very, very important thing that I always think about. Yes, if I take this decision, whatever reality I personally decide, I will find people there. There will be a reality waiting for me there. Did you know what I'm referring to? And this has happened to me throughout my life. Like I take this decision and all of a sudden there are different people in that reality and different words. So yes, what we're making now will lead us to a different reality, our own reality. But how long are we going to coexist with this uh, evil thing devouring earth as we speak and you know what i'm referring to right and as we get into hour two um we will touch on zionism and define it so that it's not just some word we can all scream about and uh let the bigot in the middle of all of us come to the fore um in the way that we'll use it it has a very express meaning and it's really if you want to think about it very similar to saying Pope or some other words, New World Order, uh, we'll get there. But Jason, you want to get anything into the tail end of this hour? Well, I think we could save this for hour two, but I'm curious if Muhammad has any knowledge or comments about the uh, super smart city being built in Saudi Arabia called Niam. Uh, I really didn't look into it. I, I wouldn't have any knowledge, but I have to look into Neon. Okay. I know a little bit about it, actually. And uh, the last that I was aware, I, I was aware of it when they started building, but I was under the impression uh, that it's mostly vacant. And I'm wondering if that's true. We'll have to do a follow-on to figure it out. But all right, everybody, that's the first hour of episode 367 with Jason and Muhammad. And uh, I will remind everybody, Muhammad first joined us on episode 344. It's a good one to listen to. I truly appreciate people coming on with different points of view. And in this part of the world, I don't think a lot of us have a good view into the Middle East. And I think most of what we're aware of for many of us is what the news says. And that's what Muhammad's been harping on, this kind of kamikaze culture that it's been branded. Uh, in my life, I've had the exact opposite experience. Some of the kindest people I've met in my life have been from other places, Lebanon, Mexico, and on and on and on it goes. And from my firsthand experience, which is how I try to measure things as much as I can, um, those are pleasant memories for me. Now, if I want to turn on CNN or Fox, uh, I'm pretty sure they can provide me with a hateful memory that I can latch on to. But as we come to the end of our 300, our first hour of uh, 367, I hope you'll join us all at Crow 777 Radio, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com, where the second hour is provided for members. And there it is. I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
safe is the enemy of knowing.